0: Are your kids missing footy? Sign them up for Max Active, a free live online footy-inspired workout held twice a week. Get them off the couch, together with a footy back in their hands. Sign your kids up at aflmax.com.au. Hi listeners, Pods here. Welcome to Max Mentors, a show that connects grassroots coaches to coaches with professional experience. This is episode one. The objective of Max Mentors is to give our community coaches an insight into what coaches do at the elite level and how it can be applied to grassroots. We know that the coach is the most influential person in any player's sporting life, be it junior or senior. Hopefully the learnings you get from our mentors will help you become a better coach and take your coaching to the next level. Our guest today is Heath Uni, the current development manager and sample coach at the Adelaide Crows. In my eyes, Heath has flown under the radar in AFL coaching circles, but I couldn't think of a better person to kick off Max Mentors with, and I have no doubt you, by the end of our chat, will feel the same. There's coaching gems here at Max Mentors, so get your notepads ready and let's press play on my chat with Heath. A bit of background uh, to your to you, Heath. The people in the eastern states probably won't know you, but you're a bit of a big deal over in South Australia. Um, I'm a bit biased because you are a friend as well. But um, you know your background in footy. You played under 18s at the Murray Bush Rangers. Um You you did it hard as a as a West Coast rookie in the uh, in 98 99, um, which was which is probably a good experience for you as a youngin um, then. And then you came back to the VFL. And then you headed to North North Adelaide, where you had most of your playing and and um, and footy success there. So, you know, 183 games. Correct me if I'm wrong here, mate. Mm. Vice captain and two BNFs. I mean, it's a um, there's a lot of people that um, you know play that play at that level and don't achieve what you achieve. So, uh, I know you're a humble guy and you don't want to talk about that. So, we'll move on pretty quickly. But mm. um, you know, you went to, at the same time as as playing Sanford You're a teacher and um, you set up a soccer academy at the school you're at, which was Windsor Gardens, at the top of my head. Um, so. We hear a bit more about that today. And then you got into coaching. So you started coaching the under-18 level um, at North Adelaide and then you became a development coach at the Crows in 2013, So, um, which is you know, where you still are now. So to, to, um, to grow on that journey, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about that. But you are the current sample coach and the, uh, the head of development too. So when I talk about development managers um, in our game and the people I've dealt with, you're not just a development manager for talent. Heath, and we'll get to this in a second, you've actually been developing coaches around you uh, for the last five years too. So, um, you know, welcome, mate. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, so for me, just to give a bit, bit of a background on why Heath, um, and I don't want to make you go red here, mate, but um, in, my, in my time in, in 20 years of um, in, uh, being at the elite level, um, I don't think if I look at the core competencies of a, of a coach, and one of them is, you know, your ability to learn and reflect. Um, and I, think, I don't think I've ever met anyone that um, has a higher level of, of that competency in coaching. I mean, your ability to, to learn from other sports, to learn from other in, in industries has been um, second to none what I've seen, and your ability to reflect both on your performance and, and team performance. And that's why, um, you know, I thought when, I, when we thought about Max Mentors, I wanted you to get uh, the first, be the first cab off the rank. And I know we talked about in the, um, on our website, this was going to be around, you know, developing talent and building culture. Because um, when I see you, um, that's what you, you do, all your research in, um, all your knowledge is around that. And we're not going to ask specific questions around that to you today, but I'm hoping that our coaches out there who are, who are still joining us um, live actually get a bit of a taste on on, on those two elements uh, as well, and the other reason why, mate, um, why you're here is that uh, I think that you've, you know, you've worked under a lot of coaches. So you work, mm. you've seen obviously Craigie in action for a little bit. Um, you worked under Brenton Sanderson, Phil Walsh, Scott Camparelli, Don Pike, and now Nixie. And I think you've probably developed a great perspective on on coaching off the back of all that change, um, which I reckon is um, is why our coaches really enjoy hearing you speak tonight. And um, I think one thing that I know with you, mate, you've actually, um, you know, you've been, you've been thrown in a different, uh, thrown in a few different curveballs over your journey too and, mm. you know, from whether it's, you know, every couple of years you've changed the game plans, there's been a change of coach and being able to adapt as a, as a development coach is probably really challenging. So potentially you might share some of those stories. But um, it's enough for me, mate. Um, I'm looking forward to sort of talking about coaching. And we're going to start, I suppose, um, I know that uh, some of the emails we had um, and requests we have. We've got a few, a few junior coaches joining us, but this question uh, is also relevant for senior coaches to get us started, I suppose. Is that, um, mate, I want to know why um, you chose footy as a kid. Um, yeah. Was there any other sports? I know that you've got a bit of an interesting story to tell. So, um, mm. why was it footy?
1: Yeah, first, uh, thanks for having me, James. Um, to those listeners out there, um, fantastic you'd all join us. I- I'm really uh, looking forward to tonight. I'm passionate about this area around coach development. We can all continually do, to learn and develop, irrespective of what's going on. And uh, great initiative by James to get get this up and going. So um, uh, thanks for the intro, and really looking forward to it. And um, thank you to you coaches out there because it shows to me that you're engaged and you wanna and you want to learn and you and you want to continually get better. So fantastic. So uh, my early childhood, mate. Um, I grew up, to be honest, in a country town, Albury-Wodonga, and I started playing soccer. My first experience was in soccer with a guy by the name of Archie Thompson, which a number of you may know, and uh, obviously he went on and had a great career in soccer, but he encouraged me to come down and play, and unfortunately for me, I got there and the coach was uh, Yugoslavian um, or spoke spoke that language, European language, and and I struggled to understand it and he told me off and he yelled at me and I wasn't sure if he was angry at me or that's just how he coached and and I, I just couldn't handle it. And, uh, and a couple of mates said, why don't you come down and have a kick of footy? It was halfway through the footy season at that stage and you know I was eight years of age and I went down with a few mates and I started to play footy and um, I hadn't had a lot of experience in footy at that stage and um, fortunately enough for me, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And as a young kid, you don't play for this, but at the end of the season, I was given a trophy and I won I won best plan I thought how good's this I'll get a trophy and uh, I'm having some fun with some mates and from that from that stage on I I committed to football and played and like most country kids I engaged in a number of sports I didn't go back to soccer um, because I was just I was scared of what was going to happen there with my experience with that coach and um, played tennis uh, played tennis at a reasonably high level and basketball so like most country kids involved in a number of sports but just love the team environment of footy and and the dynamic of the game and and how it was um, how it was set up and um, I learned a lot though from that soccer experience even though when I reflect now is when I coach I remember that so vividly about how you speak to players the language the bo- not just language in verbal language body language and how that can um, have a huge impact on a young a young kid. Now he may not have been that angry at me, but that was my perspective at that period of time. And it pushed me away from soccer. Um, well, I'm not sure I would have went
0: on and uh, had the same career as Archie. <laughs> um, great story, man. I think, um, the lesson from there, and I know, um, you know, coach, AFL, I've done a lot of research on this, but you know, uh, junior coaches or any coach that, um, is out there at the moment, you know, listening and being a part of this, you, you're probably, you're a lot more influential to, to kids and players, and what you do think, and for you to, you know, uh, I know how old you are, but you know, for for thirty years down the track, for you to still think about mm. that coach and how he treated you, um, you know, is, is is damning, really. Which is, um, you know, the coaches out there now, you've got so much influence on these on these kids.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's spot on, mate. I, I sit down, and see, and talk to a number of coaches, and I think sometimes we forget the influence we do have. Um, for for some coaches, you may be that player. Or that athlete's um, parent, or you know, you might be their dad or um, their mum, or playing that role of that 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 figure role because they may not have that in their own life. And um, you know, for me, uh, you know, I grew up, or my dad left when I was twelve, so I had a number. Of, I relied on a number of my coaches to to mentor me through life, and um, and we underestimate sometimes is the influence you do have. And you can never we can never underestimate that. And that that is a great gift as a coach to be able to mentor and guide and shape young men and women in sport because it's a great vehicle for life. And you know, we've all learned and there'll be a number of coaches on here now who have learned a lot through sport and how to um, and how to live their life. So there's so many great um, messages through sport. And I encourage coaches to reflect on the influence you uh, do have on young men and women. Hey, um, mate, next question is about, like, when you played
0: footy and reflecting, what actually made you happy?
1: What made me happy? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a pretty simple question. What made me happy is, you know, obviously mateship and, and fun and, um, you know, also, you know, how did I learn and what, what, what was the most enjoyable environments that I played in? You know, there was a number of things that come out. I loved being challenged in one sense. And I loved the challenge of the game and I loved what it, what it produced and what it, what it challenged me in. I loved the hard work and and when I say hard work and I reflect now the process of it. Um, So challenge and work hard to achieve something and not individually with, with a group of mates. And um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of success as a junior player with, um, a number probably a number of people on on this webinar who who would have been the same but when you reflect back it was the mateships and and the fun we had and you know we sometimes forget as coaches how, how do we create fun and, and you know we now I now work at the elite level and you know I spend more time trying to make sure the sessions are fun um, yeah. and you've seen it James we've, we've had DJs at our training sessions and <laughs> And dropping tracks and, um, you know, different things going on to engage our players so to make sure they're having fun because at the elite level, it can be a challenge and it can be a grind. And our responsibility at the elite level is to keep challenging our players. But more importantly for those coaches out there who are moulding young men and women, your job is to make sure they come back and play.
0: Yeah. And have, and
1: have not only develop, but have fun. And, you know, for me, when I learned best, hard work, a balance between the challenge and support and the best coaches or the best environments for me was they celebrated my strengths. So what I brought to the table, uh, they, they, they continually um, celebrated and, and made me go out and play with those strengths. Yeah. Rarely did they talk about what I was, what I wasn't good at. Um, and I've taken that on into
0: my coaching. Great. And that, and I mentioned earlier mate, like you're a, um, you're a school teacher. I've just sent a question yeah. through, which I might um I'll get to in a second as well and it's yeah. relevant to this next question I have for you. But, you know, um, working with you and, and and your teaching background, you've got an amazing way to actually break groups up. Um, you know, potentially the AFL might be getting down a path where there's smaller list sizes. Mm. Um, you know, I know you do a lot of smaller groups sort of learning stuff, but how have you, you know, when you reflect on when you played, how did you yeah. learn best and how have you sort of found transitioning out into the coaching and, and getting you know at the moment forty five different guys that are all learn different ways. How yeah. do you balance that?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, and, and I've, I've really drawn on my education background for this. Um, one of the things we did at our footy club is with our way we we met. Uh, we used to have a, a facility, our lecture theatre, and I not, and you know this we knocked that out and created a big open learning. And and for me, it's about empowering the learner so when we sit there and teach and this and I won't get too heavy here but from a teaching background you have two athletes have two choices they can be a passive learner or an active learner so it's not just the coach's responsibility to provide the learning um, environment The the players have a responsibility to participate so you're either an active learner or a passive learner and what I mean by that passive just sits back in their chair and waits for the answers Active is getting involved and um, challenging the coaches and asking questions and getting them to elaborate and owning their own learning. And for me, we spend a lot of our our time educating our players to, to do that. And um,
0: so that's this, some of the yeah, philosophy
1: man, behind it, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you're talking about now, you're actually teaching, like you're learning your players or teaching your players how to learn. Correct, correct. So how do that?
1: And so for me, it's about understanding uh, when we sit and talk to the players, they go, well, it's your career. How are you going to best pave your way through your career? So you you drive your own career. How do you learn? And when when you say, ask the question, how do we teach that? Part of the methodology, we we, we use a combination of things, whether it's small group learning. Um, We don't do a lot of large group presentations. I'm against that because you create an environment where passive, passive learning happens. Yeah. Um, And also not everyone feels safe in that environment to be able to talk up and challenge and, and understand and they don't want to make mistakes. So we'll do a lot of, lot of stuff in small groups. I'm also, I'm also of the bullet. Sometimes it's not about um, the learning may not be from vision or the training. It might be just going and talking and asking questions and, and getting to know your athlete, um, so we'll use a number of different methodologies or um, ways to be able to educate our playing group, um, but, it, but it varies. And got, and that's part of today's society about engaging your players. Sometimes it's the player teachers. For me, and I know uh, James coming from Geelong, you come from Geelong, it's well documented that the players taught the players. So for the coaches out there who are coaching at a higher level, at an elite level, call on your players to teach the players. Provide them some provide them some structure and how you want that to be done, but you know nothing nothing beats players teaching players. They're the ones out there; they're playing the game, they understand the game. So spend your time
0: helping them teach the other players. It goes to your point too, because obviously at community level, we've got <coughs> the majority of our coaches here today are from community clubs, and uh, we look forward to seeing them back in action. But yeah, you know, that's going to be a challenge for them when they've got limited resources and there's sort of one coach and. And sort of forty players. So, you, yeah. you know if I'm reading between the lines, of you, I suppose your advice to them is to to get their sort of senior players or the more experienced players, them, which then they can actually go teach in smaller groups, and potentially that learning gets filtered across.
1: Yeah, um, well, mate, it, it, you're spot on. And, and I did this, and people would sit there, oh, that's not achievable. I did it as an under 18s coach, yeah, at North Adelaide. I had my I had the older players who I could trust, and they understood, for example, body work and what I, what we wanted to teach them. So. I would have the senior player or those eighteen-year-old kids who understood it, and all we we're looking for—we're not trying to teach a whole range of things. We broke the skill down. I was just working on this, and you know, allowed me to go around different groups. And I'm talking practical now, but I got the players to teach each other, and and, it's, and I just there—I was just there to tidy it up and keep it on on um, on track. But sometimes the challenge for coaching, mate, is that you have got to be well planned to do that. So you can't just rock up to a training session and expect to be able to execute that. It takes a bit more time, but, geez, the results outweigh the time. Um, you get great, great results. And, and we can continually – you can continue to do that. Um, you know, and if you want to – like right now, and I'm happy to share this with the listeners, um, we're doing a lot of stuff online like we are now. We're doing a lot of education with our players. What this has taught me, this, this, this situation we're in right now, why can't you, as a coach, when we go back to normal, why couldn't you get online, do a Zoom meeting with four or five of your players, and and chat footy? Doesn't have to be always at the ground or at training. Get your get the guys who want to learn more and, and share. You know, we we share, share screens, we watch Vision together, and and we go through that process.
0: Um, yeah, so you just, gotta, you, you just got it. You yeah. you just got to be.
1: Sorry, mate. You just got to be prepared to do the
0: work and um, and put the time in. Yeah, there's no yeah. secret so, to it. Yeah, I suppose coming out of this, that you know, technology is available for all community coaches, and it's pretty inexpensive as well. So it's not as if you yeah. um, type a lot of resources and um, yeah. you know, potentially one of the core competencies of any coach is you know shape the environment. The environment's going to look different on the rebound and. Potentially technology is going to be a part of that. Hey, um, yeah. Heath, I've got a personal question, mate. I know yep. that um, you're a, you're a doting dad and I want to ask you about, like, how is being a dad, we've got a lot of mums and dads who are actually listening mm. to you today and some of these guys are actually coaching their own kids. But I'd love to know from you, you know, how has being a dad helped your coaching?
1: Like, great question. And for those listeners who are dads who potentially uh, have got, you know, talked into coaching their son's team or whatnot, I applaud you. And without your help, uh, we, we don't have teams that function, you know. So one of the things when I, you know, I'm i a father of a two, a seven-year-old daughter and a, and a five-year-old son, um, what, what it's allowed me to do and I reflect is to go, when I now coach any player, I sit there and think, how would I, how would I want my son, son to be coached? I have a responsibility when I coach the players I coach that I'm in charge of part of their life and a big, <clears> big portion of their life. You know, they're putting a fair bit of faith in to me and the other coaches. So when I look at it and go, well, how, however I treat this kid and how I coach this kid, I'm going to make sure I do it because that's how I would want my son to be coached. And, and each player is different. You know, if I'm coaching my son, my son needs hard discipline right at the moment. Um, he doesn't know he doesn't need too much love and care. Um, I will be listening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what I, that, that's what whenever I co- coach, I sit there and go. Being a dad has now made me go. That's someone's son I'm coaching, and how would I want my son to be treated in that situation? Would yeah. I want my son to be berated in front of others? Would I want my son to be belittled? or told he wasn't good enough to do things. Um, so I check myself every time I go, I come out of a coach's box and or a training session, I go to a player and I'm about to let him have it. I go, would I do that to my own son? And would I want coaches to do that to my son? Yeah. So um, questions I asked Podzy to and to follow on from that, I, I spoke to a school today and asked the kids, I said to them, when we're talking about coaching and what type, what type we're talking about all different coaching, Situations. I said, to I ask them one question? I ask the listeners this: How do you want to be coached? It's a really good question. How do you want to be coached? It doesn't mean you're going to coach every player like that, but it's a great starting point to go. How do I want to be coached? Because that'll give you some frameworks to go. Well, that's how I got the best out of myself, and then you just work from that.
0: Yeah. So I suppose if you're sort of talking now about um, you're thinking about your family when you're coaching and one of the other the most important things and it's, I suppose it's a, it's a term now that gets thrown out there a lot with coaching. It's about building strong relationships um, yeah. and you've got to build relationships with a coach. So how, is, how has being a dad helped you in that space? I suppose it's a really important piece of being a coach. Is that, has that changed the way you've, you've done that? About building relationships with, with, yeah. uh, with our athletes? Yeah. Oh, look, mate, I, I,
1: I, it's, a really, it's something I learnt probably more recent than ever. When I was a player – I had relationships with people, but I was a really process-driven player. Like I was more about get out of my way, follow me, this is how we're going to do it. Relationships for me weren't at the forefront, but what I've found and over time is that players want to feel like they belong to a place and have a sense of belonging. So the relationship part becomes so strong because what it allows you to do um, as a coach when you build those strong relationships is to be able to obviously support your athletes, but challenge them. If you're just gonna be someone you don't have a relationship and you challenge, I can guarantee, and there's enough research around this, that they will will not listen, they'll disengage, they'll rebel. Um, You won't get the best out of that athlete. My experience in the last probably four or five years is that you build strong relationships, you get your player to feel like he belongs and that you actually have his back you can you can challenge that player significantly to be better than what he wants to be, because he knows you have got his back.
0: Um, so that's, that obviously comes down to the cultural piece, which I know you've done a lot of work mm. in, and um, and so is that is that something you just learnt on your journey? I know you've done a fair bit of research <clears> and talk <throat> about throat> Google stuff that you've yeah you, you've done. But um, when it comes to the cultural piece and that relationship piece, what are the couple of key fundamentals, I suppose, that you you try and um, I suppose, in part.
1: Yeah, it's a really great question, and for those who uh, love their reading and research, they may be aware of the the study done at Google, where they they obviously looked at a number of teams and how they functioned and what made these teams so successful. and And it wasn't talent; um, it wasn't necessarily just pure teamwork. What What had come down? It broke down to, you know five key things and, and the one number one thing that said at the top was psychological safety and people will be sitting there listening and going what's psychological safety you got to do with footy well what i've found it is one of the most important things in coaching and i'll give you some i'll give you some insights into that and how it can practically be applied in a footy club um, so for those who are interested, Amy Edmondson is the is one of the main researchers around psych safety. So get on Google, get on Netflix, you'll find her stuff. But one of the things around psych safety is, is that it's obviously providing or creating an environment where the players feel safe. They feel safe to make mistakes. They feel safe to put their hand up and say, hey, James, I got that wrong. And for that to occur, you as the coach or leader you have, to, you have to be the one that stands out and starts that and creates that. You're in charge of it. So, for example, um, as a coach, I think it was last year, played a game, uh, coached a game. We're up by eight, seven goals, half-time. What ended up happening, come back, and um, we drew. Drew a game. The players executed everything I asked them to do, or we as coaching group, but me in particular, I asked them to do I went I didn't pull the trigger on a on a strategy or on a move quick enough to get the game on our terms, keep a game on our terms and win that game footy. So I walked into the I walked into the rooms after the game and they're probably expecting me to be really disappointed with them given they gave given up a lead and the first thing I said how proud I was of them and that this one's on me fellas. I got it wrong as a coach. And they sat there and looked at me going, well, hang on a minute. What's going on here? And I said, guys, you did everything I asked and you executed beautifully. That's on me. So when you go away from here, you'd be really proud of your efforts and your achievements. That's that's my fault and I'll wear this game. What that created is players then felt safe enough to make mistakes. They come to me and say, look, I got that wrong at the stoppage um, and basically... Um, they felt comfortable to not only challenge me but own up to when they, they weren't getting things right or how they felt. So I'd created this environment where safe, they felt, the players felt safe. And for young, your responsibility as a coach, I don't care if you're coaching under eights, I don't care if you're coaching senior footy, under six, whatever it is, your responsibility as a coach is to let make these kids, these players, these athletes feel safe. You have a responsibility to as a coach, to do
0: that—that's great, mate. And what you're sort of talking about there is showing a bit of vulnerability. Actually, yeah. starts that process too. So um, I appreciate you sharing that uh, that story. And I just, we just got a question from from someone else, which is not a, which is actually a really good one, I suppose. And um, work-life balance um, is always yeah. talked about, but um, yeah, how do you actually manage balance being, being a dad, um, you know, a husband? Uh, yeah, you, you're looking after in, in your case potentially all the young kids that are coming through. So you're almost like a father that's there for them. So, how do you go about balancing your time and, and family?
1: Not a great one. No, I'm not great <laughs> at it. It's a really interesting uh, conflict I have, James, because one of my one who's of my James? Group, like? I don't. Think you
0: ever call me James? But keep going. Uh, one um
1: one of one of my conflicts I have is that. One of my, key, one of my value, strong values that I learned as a young kid was work ethic and and work hard to get to where I want to get to. So I have this really torn conflict where work hard, but um, what I've learned over the last two to three years, I've got to take time to smell the roses. So I have this really – because I get great feedback, oh, Heath, you work really hard and you've been able to achieve, but then on the other side, I'm going to burn out by the – by 40 42 43 so what I've done is I, you know, I put some little principles in place you know I try to meditate um, I I have I try to try to live by the rule when I walk coming driving down my drive down my road I'd switch off so I take my I nearly take my coach's mask off and hat off and I'm better walking as a dad and my phone goes down it's not always perfect but I try to what what they say road. So I get out of my coaching uniform and become a dad for that period of time. And, you know, I'm not perfect at it. It's an ongoing, it's a working edge of mine. um, And it's a challenge. And um, you've got to somehow find the way, find a way to to break your roles up. I'm a dad now. um, And one of the things I got taught probably two years ago about being a dad was every time I sit down and my, my son or my daughter says, can you read me this book, dad? And if I say no, what I'm actually saying to them is, "You're not a priority." That's what I'm saying. You're not a priority. So I check myself when I when they say, "Can you read me a book?" And I go to say no. I got to go. No, right now I'm telling them I don't care. They're not a priority. So little things like that check check. But um, keep you physically active, healthy, uh, meditating, um, trying to, you know, trying to do things that don't involve. Coaching or learning,
0: just to, to check out, mate. Yeah, that's great. I love the um, the D rope thing. I think uh, yeah, would want me to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like my home from work too. So I really like that. I think um, there's probably a lot of people here taking some notes, um, some good learnings here, mate. So thanks for sharing. But um, we're actually gonna we'll, we'll we'll take this to a podcast too. So we'll let everyone know that um, this will be this will be out on in podcast land as well, so you can actually listen to it again if you, if you or if you missed out, I don't know if you missed out once, to listen to it. So we'll do that. Thanks for listening, and we hope you're enjoying this episode of Max Mentors. We'll be right back after this short message from our partner. AFL Max is the best place to train indoors, whether it's mixing up your training schedule or having some fun as a team. Hire the venue or let us run the session for you. Book your team in now at aflmax.com.au. I think one of the things that gets talked about a lot in coaching and as you sort of coach for longer, uh, I know there's probably some coaches out there in community who are playing coaches so they probably don't have mm. this, this issue, but, um, you yeah, know, the longer you're out of the game, the harder it gets. So how do you actually get yourself back into a player's shoes? Do you do anything um, at training, do, you do anything when you watch Vision? yeah. It's, it's I, I try to I try yeah. to join in
1: training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. But then I get whacked around. Get, it gets too quick, so I get a real yeah.
0: reality reality check that, there. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose at AFL level, you've got so many yeah. people. The vision you've got behind the goal, yeah. you've got yeah. you know, at different angles, and then yeah. the coach's box, which is a little bit higher, so you can actually see the play turn out. And you wonder why well, can't players see that? Because they're you know they've got thirty six yeah. players in front of them. How do you actually put yourself in players' shoes?
1: One of the key things, which and I learned it probably three years ago in one of my roles, I was fortunate enough to leave coaching Sample to sit on the AFL bench. So I was right in the coalface of it. And one of the amazing things, Podsy, was just how much much the game had changed, but just how hectic it was. was. And here we are just firing questions and firing information to players. And I remember saying to Pike at the time, we just got to calm down here. They've got so much going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and this is the elite level. But you can uh, you put it in context, an eight-year-old playing would probably still have the same amount of noise going around his head. He's got yeah. parents screaming to him. He's got mates. And, and his brain hasn't developed yet. So it's all relative. So for me, it's just sometimes um, take yourself away and, and even watch it from a different – and I'm talking now practical. Go and watch it from a different – Part of the ground. Yeah. So remove yourself from the actual game, and it's challenging to do as a coach. But actually, go and sit behind the goals, watch it from a whole different perspective. Because you watching it from the side, like we do it on TV every Saturday night, that's like we're in the comfort of the home. You watch it from behind the goals, even as a coach, you'll see a whole different world, um, and you'll see that the players what the players see, because the players aren't watching the game from from side on, they're watching it up and down. So I, I, I do that. I remind myself that our game is incredibly tough. It takes courage for every person. I don't care how old you are to walk out and play a game like we do. So first of all, I celebrate those people who come and play and um, and encourage coaches to do the same because it's a hard game. It's probably the hardest game in the world, I believe. Overball, ball, three sixty degrees, so many rules, eighteen players on a field, and goes. It's the longest duration game that we've got. So we need to check ourselves as coaches and and go. Um, it's challenging. There's a lot going on, um, which comes to the point, and you, you might raise it: is how we how we, what how much information we give a player. Yeah, pre, during, and post. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a really I'm a really big one about um what what you say to a player at quarter or what you say to a team at quarter time is that meeting for you or is it for the players I always ask that question who's that yep. meeting for um so yeah it's it's challenging because the longer you're out of the game the harder it becomes so um i i also ask the players questions what are you feeling what do you feel out there in that quarter because hopefully they can uh, – and, and sometimes eight-year-olds won't know that, but the, uh, the older they get and the higher level they play, they'll hopefully be able to articulate. Jeez, it's quick. Okay, so, all right. Um, it's tough or I don't, I, I can't – I can't connect in the game. Whatever it may be, you'll be able to draw on the players. They're the ones playing it. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Great answer, mate. hope there's some, some good tools there for for our coaches that are – a part of this and listening. Mm. Um, I just want to get on to, uh, we have got a couple of minutes to go before we sort of uh, need to wrap up, but uh, I wanted to talk about, about environment a little bit. Yep. Um, um, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, you've been a part of the crows for a long time, but you've actually probably been a part of different environments within that environment. If that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. change you've had um, and some of the strategy that the club mm. has experienced. So, I just want you to sort of think about one thing that you've seen, um, whether it's one particular coach, but what yeah, what kind of environment, what one thing actually gets the best out of people? And I'm, When I'm talking about people, I'm talking about what gets the best out of coaches, administrators, um, you know, players included, but what's one thing that you can reflect on?
1: Mate, I, I spoke about the safety, so I won't go there again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the one thing I learned, Podsy, over the last four years is the balance between support and challenge. So it's a model it's a model that a guy introduced me from the UK and, and and the way I stumbled across it was I was doing a lot of research about how do you build resilience in players and athletes and young men and women. And I come across this guy, Mustafa Sakar, his name was, and he he was the only one when you talk about resilience, he was the only one who did not focus on the individual, he focused on the environment. And what he was saying is that it was a model that, he, that he'd seen and learnt and developed out of a school where teachers had come up and asked and, and created a classroom where it was a, su- a support and challenge model. And what I mean by that is that if you create an environment that is really low in support and low in challenge, disengagement occurs. So disengaged Players won't engage in the environment. If you create an environment that is um, low in challenge but high in support, it becomes really comfortable, so the, the players don't develop. If you create a model or an environment that is high challenge, low support, it's ruthless. It becomes um, too strong, and players rebel, and they just they get too stressed. The environment's too stressful. So, therefore, what is the perfect environment according to what I've learned over time? It's the balance between high support and higher challenge. Yeah. What I mean by that, and it comes back to the relationship building, but your environment has to have a level of challenge and it has to have a level of support. Doesn't matter if, it, if it's a drill you create or the feedback you provide, but the environment in to- totality has to have a really nice balance of challenge and support and I guarantee mate the hard thing is from coaching the needle the needle can go too far one way or the other it's really fine and you're it's like you're holding a puppet and you're trying to pull it and but for me that's what I've learned is your environment's got to have challenge and support and the, I reckon one of the Phil Walsh was unbelievable at that and you were there with uh, Walshy Pods yeah, he yeah. had a great balance of support and challenge environment. Bloody hard, but geez, he put his arm around you. And what you get in that space, you get growth, and that is high performance. You get significant growth from your athletes and your, and your young students, school or um, in a classroom or on a footy field. That, for me, is probably one of the key things I've learned over the last three years. And whenever I coach now... And the environment I'm trying to create, um, especially at Sample, is because I'm dealing with players that are in and out of team, in and out of the team. So how am I going to create an environment that they feel supported? But mate, I'm not letting off, letting them off.
0: Yeah, I challenge them. Hopefully, yeah. that makes sense. That's a fantastic answer, and I'd I'd love to probably um, we haven't got the time tonight, but um, to delve down, I suppose, and what you've seen in the coaches that have been part of the program that you've been a part of, because the yeah. whether they've actually lost that balance and that's, is that the reason why they're no longer there or is it just, yeah. uh, you know, that's we won't go into that today because um, we've got some other things we want to go to. We've only got a couple more minutes, but um, I, I suppose I want to just talk to you about uh, a bit more about community football and a bit more about um, community coaching, I suppose. And um, as I sort of said in your intro earlier, you, you've experienced all levels and I know your recent um, history is in the elite mm-hmm. level. Yeah, if you were if you were going to coach a community team um, from tomorrow onwards, what would you yeah. your sort of three priorities, uh, and would they be different to sort of the stuff that you've talked about tonight, or to the elite level?
1: Mate, um, no, it, it wouldn't change.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, and I reflect on this. I reflect on this earlier when um, when we're going to speak tonight. Is how, would I would I do things differently? Three things, mate, for me, and we can talk a little bit about each coach fundamentals the yep. game the game has not changed over 150 years podsy <laughs> right and when if you look at the elite level and we've spoken about this you look at the elite level grand final day the team that executes the fundamentals for the longest period of time generally win it's not tactics it's not strategy it's fundamentals and when I mean by fundamentals the one that I am hell-bent on is ball taking ground balls the game spends, and you are, and the listeners. You ask yourself, junior footy, where does the ball spend the majority of the time? You think about that. Where does it spend the majority? It's on the ground. So we have a responsibility as coaches to coach fundamentals, and in particular, ground ball ball take um, to our players for safety. And and, and that's how the games play. we we got an oval ball. It's not a round ball. So fundamentals. I don't care what level. Coach fundamentals before anything else. Second thing, promote team. We play a team game. So when I say promote team, teach your players to prioritise others and make someone else better. Because what it does a number of things, and you know this, Podsy. It doesn't. It gets you as an athlete out of your own head. It it creates a great atmosphere. You, you start to forget about yourself and how you can help others. And in fact, you play better when you do it. So I'm hell-bent on promote team and how you want to call that team first, prioritise others, make someone else better, all those things.
0: And the last one, it you, comes up in one the sorry, to the third one. We actually had a question during the week that got sent to us around um, yep. about forwards, and I take offence to this, by the way, <laughs> Oh, yeah, forwards are traditionally the most talented and have the most flair. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. also the most selfish. So ha- how have you found um, being able to like convert selfish players who talk a big gaming team yeah. to play selfish? Yeah, it's a really good question
1: and it's a challenging one
0: because forwards are the most
1: creative players on the ground and we don't want to take that away. So the first thing I'd say, and it comes back to coaching philosophy, what are your values as a as a coach and as a team and what are you really strong on. And then it's about educating the player to what his values and do they meet. There's a reason why they're not they're they're playing the way they are. They might be insecure in their position. They may not have the, the self-belief that you think they have, even though they are doing that. They may not believe in their own ability or stay on the team. So one of the things I I tend to do with young forwards is create what I call um KPIs or um, benchmarks which are for players which are all based around team so um, when I mean that when I mean team uh sorry KPIs or benchmarks around team I mean things like uh, how many blocks can you do? How many score involvements? Now, these are when I say score score involvements, it's not goals or behinds. Score involvements mean you're in the chain. So look for – first thing I'd do is find out why that player is doing that because there's a reason why he's being selfish and why he doesn't want to play the team. Do they fit your values or your philosophy as a coach? Because they may not. And if they don't, well, that's okay. Well, they may leave the environment – uh, and three, work with them to come up with, and reward reward the team things. So, for me, if I'm working with a player and we're talking about team, of young forward, when I show him his vision, I'm not showing him kicking goals or individual. I'm showing his blocks, so he's getting rewarded, and then he would start to do that more. And he will because what happens, mate? It's like the more you reward someone with something, the more they're going to do it. So there's some things that I would do. Um, Be very, very careful. And you know this, Podsy, do not take the creativity out of the players.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And the third thing, mate, for for community coaches. Yeah, the third
1: thing we've spoke about is, um, is basically the environment. Yeah. So I don't care what level you're coaching at, make it fun, engaging and learning. They're the three things for me is that fundamentals, which I've spoken about, coach the fundamentals. Um, it's your responsibility to come up and tweak the drills team always team for me and the environment it's got to be fun it's got to be engaging and it's got to be it's got to be a
0: learning environment got to teach great mate great three things and I suppose uh just listening to you talk about and um, forwards and just in my own sort of head thinking about my experience and it feels like a long time ago now but <laughs> The challenge for for me as a as a forward, I suppose, was, and this is to the to the um, the person that asked this question during the week, was you know, as soon as you started to think more about those KPIs and the team things, you potentially started to get away from your instincts. So it was this like mm. balancing act. Oh that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah it gonna... It sometimes it takes forwards a little bit of time, like to mature and understand that there's other things about from you know being the big dog in the in the goals yeah. there, but. Um, those instincts is, is a really challenging thing to um, to not to take out of people's games. yeah
1: game. yeah you spot and I think the other thing to take in mind um, maturity as well like generally we all being young players we, we tend to think about it ourselves as a young player and when you start you you start to move it's generally 25 26 27 you start to think more about the team so um, that's that's the other It comes with maturity
0: as well Great, Matt. Look, I've got, um, I've got a quick six, which I've, uh, I've yep. turned, mate, Max Mentor's quick six, which I want yep. um, get to you, get you to now. And then we've just got some questions from some of the people who are, um, uh, who are listening and, and, and part of this webinar. So we'll get to them um, right in a second as well. But the quick six, mate. So if you're ready for this. Yep. Um, first question is, can you recommend one book that our coaches listening today um, could pick up and read?
1: mate. I can't recommend one, as you can see in the background. I oh, several. So I'm going to give one, uh, what I'm going to do, James, is I'm going to give uh, one for each sort of segment we've talked about. So first of all, Culture Co by Dan Coyle. Great book around culture um, and he's done a lot of research around what the best, he look, went and spent eight years, or sorry, yeah, about eight years or four, around that, eight, with eight teams, the most successful teams in the world and not just sport, but Navy SEALs, all these things, and he's able to draw some key things out there. Oh, a great read, some great stories that support that. So, Culture Code, Dan Coyle. The Art of Coaching, I'm going to go local here uh, in Australia. The Art of Coaching, Dave Whedon. So, if you want to learn just about the coaching of football and some of the key things about footy, yeah, not a really good read. Really good read in that um, helps you develop coaching philosophies and going that way. And the last one is. Around practice, which spoke a little bit about fundamentals and practice, but if you want to have some challenging um, thinking around practice, there's a book that I'm actually reading, re- I'm rereading it at the moment. It's called pra- Practice Perfect by Doug Lamov. Practice Perfect by Doug Lamov. Looks at all different ways and challenges your thinking about how you should practice and teach
0: the game. So, three books there, mate. Thanks, mate. My quick six isn't going that quick, is it? <laughs> Go. <laughs> I might have to the name of it for our next guest. Yeah. I, um, One short YouTube or TED Talk that you recommend to coaches?
1: I'd look at Brene Brown, um, her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, and her Netflix, she's got one called The Call to Courage. Brene Brown looks at vulnerability uh, and courage and you see what's that got to do with football? Go and watch it. It will challenge your thinking around how you coach young men and women. Right. What
0: what podcast would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I've got two, Finding Mastery, which is Mike Gervais. I'm, yeah. going, I'm going off track here with your one. I'm going to Mike <laughs> Gervais. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, um, he's their psychologist, really good. And the one I'm listening to right at the moment, Flying Coach, so it's Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr coming together to create a, a podcast for COVID-19. My outstanding. I've only listened to the first one. Oh, mate, I'm about to listen
0: to the second one tonight. Yeah, great. I uh, listened to that too. It's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, um, question four. Um, yep. Now, this is mate, one coaching point uh, about pitching <laughs> ground balls. You've mentioned ground balls are important. Yeah. What's your number one thing? Uh, the one thing is that
1: you need to make sure the technique, and when I say technique, you need to make sure your feet position, you need to have one foot next to the ball, one foot past the ball. Good. That will give you, put you in the best position to win the
0: ground ball. and also protect you Um, one game you play with players that's not footy soccer why
1: because it teaches off ball movement shape um, uh, body movement how to receive a ball how to pass a ball where you move when you move what what happens unfortunately though uh, what happens James is that sometimes the players aren't technically sound so the game (laughs) breaks down but It's a great game to teach off-ball
0: movement. Yeah. Um, And last question, mate. What's your most important value?
1: Well, these two tie together, curiosity and mastery are the thing. I'm curious to be better every day. I chase mastery. Um, So they go together. And the other one is genuine care. I think you can't coach without care.
0: Great, mate! Thanks for the uh, for the quick six, or we'll call it the medium the medium six in your case. Hey, um, uh, yeah. just we'll just uh, before we finish up, we've got a couple, yeah. five minutes or so. Um, I just yeah. want to give you some of the questions from some of the coaches. This is a really good one, actually. Um, when you talked about fundamentals, yeah. um, can you teach fundamentals through games, or is it just in um, in drills or drill based <coughs> stuff with lots of repetition?
1: Great question, and I debate this with one of my colleagues. Uh, Who's who's at the uni, a uh, Flinders Uni about can it's game sense versus skill development? I think there's a, a there's there's a room for both. I think you need to scaffold, it. and when I say that, when i what I mean by that is we we have training or craft training at the start and at the end of training where that's about skill development, break the drill down, and depending on the level of skill. So some of our players who are outstanding kicks, we've got to challenge them, but for some us still Learning and, and trying to master their kick, we got to we got to make sure the environment is um, is less challenging. So I think you you got to do both. Um, you got to find the balance of where your players are at and watch. But I've seen where if you just do games, the trap for just doing games, not enough players touch the ball. Yeah, the best players touch the ball. The lesser likes don't get it. So how are they developing? That's my that would be my challenge back to the coach.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, a, good, a good question here too for, for yep. junior coaches. Um, how yep. do you to interact with parents?
1: Yeah, it's a really good one. I, I had the challenge as a school teacher um, back in the day. You know, for me one of the things I've done uh, not more recently but I do regularly when we draft our players into our club, I get all the dads in and all the mums but more particularly dads and I speak to them about my, who I am what I do and why I do it and Um, and and put it out there this is we're now in charge of your son and I'm put in a position to coach your son I appreciate that you've played an important role now but what I want them to do is to actually enjoy the ride with your son don't coach him just enjoy the ride be his support be there for him and pick him up but you don't have to give him advice that's that's my job Um, and the other thing I've I've toyed with uh, Podsy and It'd be interesting to see what coaches think of this. And I'm talking now with our young SNFL team. I was going to do it this year. Pre-game, I was going to get the dads in and actually talk through my game plan and actually, here's your son's going to play in this position. This is what we're going to do. Um, and so they get a feel for being part of it. Um, and, and, but there's no, there's no easy answer. It's challenging. But I'm really big on being really transparent at the start of HC and saying, this is who I am. This is how I coach. Um, got any questions? Ask
0: me, but I'm in charge. Basically, bring him into the tent is what you are. Uh, is bring him
1: in, mate. Bring him in.
0: No, I love it. Hey, uh, last question, Peter, hey because yes. I know you've got dinner to get to, and uh, and I don't like when you're grumpy. So I could talk but, um, all night, mate. This is actually a really good question, I know you haven't got a lot of a lot of experience in actually coaching um, females, but I know that you yeah. work with a couple of coaches within yeah. the organisation, and the Crows AFLW have yeah. been quite successful in their uh, in their inception. So uh, any tips for for female specific, um, you know, drills or yeah. or suggestions yep. for coaching too? Because I think you know, you know that as well as I know, this this area is going to continue to grow, and we've yeah. got some, some female coaches here with us today, and it's something that we want to explore. Yeah, it's fantastic to
1: have them on on tonight and listening. Um, for me, it doesn't change. What one thing I will say between female and males: females are, they're just sponges; they want to know everything. Um, and they're fantastic to coach. You know, I've had the privilege to speak to some uh, some of the great female players in Aaron and Phillips and Chelsea Randall. Um, but one thing I've noticed, and it goes back, it's unchanged whether I'm coaching young men or or young ladies, start with the fundamentals of the game. Coach ground balls and coach them properly. I I see too many females not understanding how to take a ball cleanly off the ground and. I'm amazed that no one's hurt themselves significantly because uh, they haven't learned it over a long period of time. So you've got to go back to the basis. Don't worry about strategy. Don't worry about having a seventh behind the ball, coach fundamentals and coaching properly and spend time coaching because the reality is um, females haven't been haven't played as much footy or been exposed to it for whatever reason as as men have. And that will change over time because more younger women are starting to play. And I think in five to six years time, that will change. But right now I encourage those coaches to coach the fundamentals of the game and ground balls in particular.
0: Great answer. And um, Heath, and we're going to have to, uh, to leave it there. I mean, we're uh, we've been going for about, you know, 55 five minutes, uh, which is great. And Nia, uh, just want to say the engagement of people um, that are still with us is just, uh, is actually phenomenal. So, um, thanks everyone for joining us uh, tonight. Um, but also uh, we'll get in contact with you and we've got some announcements around Max Mentors next week, which we think are pretty exciting for for the next sort of um foreseeable future and some other guests um that we've got lined up as well. So that's exciting. And Heath, I reckon that um I didn't get to half the questions I wanted to ask you tonight. So we might have to get you back, mate, in a in a couple of weeks' time to um probably get delve a bit deeper into you know, coaching fundamentals, I think, and you've yeah. got some some great uh, ideas about about that and, and developing young talent too. So, mate, I want to firstly uh, thank you for for giving up your time tonight. Obviously, um, it uh, it is important that you spend time with your family especially this time. So, and I've got a uh, I've got a bottle of wine. I know you like red wine. It's a, oh. uh, a it's a Malley Russell, which uh, oh. obviously pretty close to me, mate. So it's going to be in the mail as a as a bit of a thank you. And I'm sure all the um, all the uh, coaches out there are really. Um, yeah, you know, they're all thanking you as well via the chat too, mate. So, yeah. um, once again, uh, as I said, Max Mentors, it's uh, it's going to be here to stay. We'll uh, we we'll get in contact with everyone that's joined us tonight. Uh, we are working with uh, with Coach AFL, how we how we actually take this um, to the broader market. So, um, thanks very much for joining us. And um, Heath, have you got anything to uh, to add, mate? Um,
1: no, I, I just love the fact so many people got on. Uh, tonight, it shows that you're committed to getting better, and you know the more you you get on, the more we'll get on and and share our stories and our journeys. And, uh, and I'm more than uh, more than happy to get on again. I can, you know, I'd keep going if I could, but uh, we've yeah. all got places to go. Yeah. Uh, but look forward to jumping on again. I encourage you to follow uh, AFL Max for this because there's some great um, great panelists coming up. Um, you'll learn a lot. So. Stay safe, everyone. Continue to develop and uh, look forward to
0: uh, speaking again in the near future. Wow, what a fantastic insight Heath gave us into his coaching journey and some of the tools that he uses. Now, at the end of each episode, I'm going to give you my top three takeouts from each of our guests. Here goes. Number one the challenge support matrix. Heath talked about that for growth and development to occur, a player needs the right balance of challenge and support. This makes complete sense to me and reflecting on my career and my coaches that I had, the ones that challenged me but also supported me are the ones that got the best out of me. Number two, what being a dad taught Heath about coaching? This sounds like a great tool that Heath uses to check his emotions. He thinks about his kids and how he's addressing his players and makes sure he does it in a respectful and educational manner. Takeout 3 was the d robe You know, with work-life balance and everyone's lives being really busy, it's really easy to take work home and it's really easy to take coaching home. But what Heath does when he drives down his street, he thinks about de-robing the coach and putting on the robe of the husband and the father. I thought this was a fantastic little idea, something that I'm going to take forward as well. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to your company again on the next edition of Max Mentors.